0: Patients can buy prescription medications without a prescription from up to 85% of online pharmacies. These figures coming from independent nonprofit research suggest that there's a potential for serious misuse of medications by internet drug purchasers. What should be done and what are we doing to stop unsupervised medicine use and better protect our patients? Welcome to Focus on Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk, PharmD. Our guest is Susan Foster, Vice President and Director of Policy Research and Analysis at the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse, CASA, at Columbia University. Ms. Foster oversaw the preparation of one of the center's most recent reports, You've Got Drugs, about illegal drug commerce on the internet. Welcome, Ms. Foster.
1: Thanks so much.
0: We are discussing the availability of prescription medications on the internet. And if you would, Ms. Foster, just give us a little background about the report that you helped write.
1: Well, each year for the last five years, we have been monitoring online access to controlled prescription drugs without a prescription. And this July, we released the fifth in our series, looking at how easy it is to go online, order controlled prescription drugs without a prescription, and receive them. We found out that, in fact, the internet seems to be a veritable candy store store for acquiring prescription drugs online. This study grew out of a larger inquiry we did about several years ago, looking at the larger issue of the diversion and abuse of controlled prescription drugs in the United States.
0: Let's call them legitimate and rogue pharmacies, just to distinguish. How exactly do rogue pharmacies online technically violate the law?
1: To comply with the law, they have to actually comply with the Federal Controlled Substances Act. And that act says that it's unlawful for anyone knowingly or intentionally to possess a controlled substance unless it was obtained pursuant to a valid prescription from a practitioner who is operating the course of his or her regular professional practice. So the Drug Enforcement Administration, with the full support of medical and pharmacy practice groups, has interpreted acting in the course of professional practice to mean four things. One, that the patient has a medical complaint. Two, that the physician takes a medical history. Three, the physician performs a physical exam. And then four, that there's a logical connection between the complaint, the history, the exam, and the drug prescribed. And simply offering a drug online does not comply with that standard of interpretation of the law.
0: So some websites nowadays offer what they call online consultations. Do those constitute a legitimate doctor-patient relationship in the eyes of the law, even if the consultation is conducted by a physician via the Internet?
1: There are only a few examples where that could be considered legitimate. For example... In remote rural areas where there is a physician practice that is an online internet base, where you have healthcare professionals in a rural area, and then the physician is actually supervising the patient medical complaint, the history, the exam, and then prescribing as a result of that. But that is operating in accordance with all other standards of medical practice. When it comes to these online consultations through rogue pharmacies, none of that is occurring. You're usually simply filling out a simple form asking you basic information about yourself and then what kind of drug you wanted, why. And then you're receiving that drug without regard to virtually anything else on the form. example, An example is included. When we first started this work, we did it in concert with uh, an investigative firm here in the city called Bo & Associates. They actually ordered the drug, and they would enter into these websites the name of a child and put in the age and the height and weight of a child and then request a heavy-duty pain reliever and indicate that the pain was maybe a 9 on a scale of 1 to 10 and actually receive the drug as a result. Those practices are not used much because the DEA frowns on them. They're illegal. So other than anecdote, we don't really know, but we are aware that those online consultations that operate in that way are considered illegal.
0: So say we have a 13-year-old child, based on past experience, you found that it actually is possible for somebody to truthfully report their age and still get a medication without a, a prescription, technically.
1: Bodiedel and Associates found that out, yes.
0: Which drug classes containing controlled substances are most commonly offered by internet sites?
1: Well, our research looked at pain relievers, central nervous system depressants, and stimulant drugs. What we found is that the most frequently offered class of drugs are the benzodiazepines. These are the anti-anxiety central nervous system depressants, followed by the pain relievers. Those are the two sort of largest offerings. Then in line next, you find the stimulants.
0: Do rogue online pharmacies ever take steps toward tricking consumers into thinking that they're purchasing medications from a legitimate website?
1: Are Senses that yes they do and they operate in a variety of ways one they may have a more legitimate firm front for them and then when you get to the controlled drug purchase you're switched to another site which you may or may not know so there might be some collusion between sites so you might have one that is approved through some process such as pharmacy checker or something like that which tries to identify legitimate sites for the internet search engines We found that even with that kind of a checking device, you easily get ads for rogue pharmacies. So that's one way they do it. Another way they do it is to create logos that appear legitimate. So they might have the Food and Drug Administration or the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services logo, or they might make up a logo by something like approved by the American Drug Administration, which doesn't seem to exist, anything to make a consumer appear think that this is a more legitimate site. Now there are some sites that just clearly don't make any effort to disguise what they're doing. They will advertise things like, you know, we're happy to ship this in a brown paper bag. To you or we're happy if you if you buy it now, you'll get double the number of Vicodin or something like that. So it's really depending on the network operating the site, how blatant they are.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Our guest is Susan Foster, Vice President and Director of Policy Research and Analysis at the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. Ms. Foster directed the preparation of the center's most recent You've Got Drugs report. On spurious drug sales on the web. And we're discussing some of the more unsavory aspects of internet drug commerce. Ms. Foster, you'd mentioned just a little bit earlier about purchasers or potential purchasers being directed from one website to another without even necessarily knowing that they're going to different websites. I was struck by how the morphing nature of the internet and, and going from website to website is just one of the aspects that makes it, that probably makes it difficult to keep track of these websites between the years.
1: Another issue is the persistence of these anchor sites or the sale sites. When we first started looking at this in 2004, we tried to keep track of how many of those same sites are still in operation in each year. And by the time we did this report this year, only 2% of those original sites were still operating. So they often change their names or their URLs just to avoid detection i think it's it's interesting to know that there is some effort underway by the financial institutions to try to limit the use of their brand to pay for these drugs. It used to be when we first looked at this, with a click of a mouse and a credit card, you could get what you wanted. For this time, the financial institutions, four financial institutions, that was MasterCard, Visa, American Express, and PayPal, collaborated with us, and we gave them a sample of the sites we found that advertised their brand, which is another way that they try to make themselves look legitimate. But when these financial institutions attempted to process a purchase, with their cards, a very small percentage of them actually even attempted to make the payment transaction. So that, we hope, is good news that the financial institutions, or at least these four, are having some success in limiting use of their cards. At the same time, we see an increasing use of things like e-checks and regular bank checks. Cash on delivery seems to be back in fashion, and other payment mechanisms like Western Union as ways to buy the drugs.
0: How have the search engines been playing along in efforts to tamp down on illicit drug commerce?
1: Well, the Internet search engines, really the top three that account for most of the Internet searches are Yahoo, Google, and MSN Live Search. They report that they use an organization called Pharmacy Checker, which is a company that attempts to identify legitimate versus illegitimate pharmacies and then screens ads for those pharmacies that they deem to be illegitimate. Unfortunately, many, many rogue sites get through that process. In our own work, we were able to identify ads that had gotten through their checking process but were for rogue sites. So our organization, the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse, our president, Joe Califano, has written to the heads of the three Internet search engines asking them to take uh, strong action to try to limit the use of their search engines to aid in this process.
0: So we've talked about the role that organizations or companies have played in keeping unprescribed medications out of the hands of consumers, or or at least the increasing role that they've played over the last couple of years. How about actions taken by the government in either the executive or legislative branch?
1: Well, the, the DEA and the FBI report continuing their law enforcement activities to attempt to crack down on rogue sites. There has been some effort to, on the part of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the DEA, and the Food and Drug Administration to put more public service announcements up that automatically appear during internet, search, internet searches. We recommend that those should be broadened and expanded. We also know that this year the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senators Feinstein and Sessions, have introduced legislation to try and control or curb Internet access. That bill passed The senate and is now under consideration in the house and that bill would clarify federal law as it relates to internet purchase would ban these online consultations require certification of pharmacies so it would be a great step in the right direction here but there's still much to be done and I think it's important to understand that there's a big role for medical professionals here too that we don't often think about in the course of our work We found that about more than 40% really of physicians don't ask about prescription drug abuse when they're taking a patient's health history, and about a third don't regularly call or obtain records from a patient's previous physician. So they know that patients may commonly try to pressure them into prescribing a drug. And if a physician prescribes a drug and doesn't know that someone may be having a drug abuse problem or getting these drugs online, that really increases the chance of accidental overdose and death. And we also know that the pharmacists, About, I think it was 28% of pharmacists don't regularly validate the prescribing physician's information, the DEA number, when dispensing controlled drugs. We did surveys of both pharmacists and physicians and asked them these questions. And that can be very important, particularly in light of a new trend that's emerging online, and that is to sell the actual prescriptions, not just the drugs, so that an online pharmacy may say we will, for a price sell you a prescription which you then can take to your to pharmacy of your choice and get the drugs that you want. So if pharmacists aren't regularly checking the DEA number or aren't regularly checking on, you know, a physician that they may not be familiar with, these kinds of things could increase the likelihood that people can purchase these drugs without legitimate prescriptions.
0: We've been speaking with Susan Foster about efforts to tamp down on the illegal sale of prescription drugs online. Ms. Foster, thanks so much for joining us.
1: You're welcome.
0: I'm Dr. Charles Turk. You've been listening to Focus on Pharmacy on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening.